Welcome to our ongoing series sponsored by Catholic Church Reform International. I'm your moderator, Rini Reed, and our guest back for a second time today is Alan de Naronha, commonly known as Shodabai. And as I described earlier, he's a prolific writer, the convener of the Indian Catholic Forum, and former president of both the Kanpur Catholic Association and the All Indian Catholic Union. So, Shodabai, welcome back. Good Thank to have you. you. Thank you. Nice to see you and talk to you again. I'd like to go all the way back to a time in history, July 25th, yeah. 1968. Yeah. And it was when Pope Paul VI issued his highly controversial encyclical, Humanae Vitae. I was waiting was, for that to come. It was subtitled, Regulation of Birth. Yes, yes. And, and as you and I know, even though the Pontifical Commission on Birth Control recommended that the old 1930 law banning the use of artificial birth control should be overturned, as I understood it, they based this on two positions reached by Vatican II. One, Vatican II came to the conclusion that the act of lovemaking is not only for the purpose of procreation, as was previously believed yeah. by the church, yeah. but also a way yeah. in which a couple could express their love for one another. Yeah. And their second reason for coming to their conclusion about banning birth control is that it was the right of people to follow their conscience. So looking back on that whole time in the late 60s, the early 70s, I can yes. understand rather easily how the average Catholic was able to exercise his or her own conscience in that circumstance because it was so close to home. Having yes. children was a yes. responsible parenting decision. It's also a huge financial one. Yes. So Catholics in swarms used yes. their conscience, overlooked yes. that encyclical yes. humanity, okay, yes. and made their own decisions in vast, yes. vast numbers. Yes. But Chodabai, since that time, Catholics recognizing the primacy of their conscience seem to have taken kind of a backslide. We're not as ready to do it today as we were then in my in my observation and i hope you tell me that i'm wrong but i'm going to give just one not example ready, not ready to do what to use their conscience to make their own decisions and not wait for father to tell them what they're allowed to do yeah, yeah. I, I, let me start with just one example but but you can give examples of your own in okay. in today's world the church law says that a divorced and remarried couple may not receive a yeah. sacrament. That's the yeah. technical church yeah. law. Yeah. Yeah. We all know that New Age theologians teach that the Eucharist is not reserved for the perfect, but it's rather yeah. a healing sacrament meant to help those in need who are working through issues in their lives, which applies to yeah. most of us. But my yeah. question is this, why yeah. is it that that same proclivity to use their conscience does not carry yes. on in this matter today. Far too yes. many men and women who got out of a bad marriage and are now in a healthy yes. one still yes. feel that they are not able to go to the sacraments. Yes. Why are they still waiting for Father to tell them yes. it's okay to receive yes. communion? Yes. Why is uh, it? Yes, you have raised two 
issues they may be interconnected with conscience one is of uh, procreation and family planning or uh, birth control whichever way you want to call it responsible parenthood the other is about the community divorce and remarriage cases the two different issues i will address both of them separately so i will first take you money with pita see the interesting thing is that uh, for centuries before the vatican council we were told that the primary objective of marriage was procreation however if you look now in the existing canon law it's for talks of companionship and procreation as the two goals of marriage companionship and procreation now go right back to genesis the first thing that god is saying in an allegorical way to the allegorical adam and eve you need companionship so the first thing was companionship and then came go and increase and multiply that was the second if you look at in the scheme of things the first thing was companionship second was procreation not the primary objective as some have tried to portray that the problem here again is our people don't know scripture we don't know canon law and therefore whatever we are told we lump it because we don't have an answer for us now again when those that dictum was given what was the population of the world even if you look at it allegorically there was a our our psyche was simple we are probably just come out of the neanderthal type our psyche was not much developed our, our needs for companionship were perhaps limited but the great need at that time was to populate the earth so maybe the emphasis for centuries was procreation but now when we see this an overpopulated world and the need for people individuals couples to be loved to be accepted it's much more complex uh, advertisers tell us that every day you are bombarded by about 1000 messages from different forms of media or whatever so basically you are your life has become that much more complex and if your life is that much more complex you're that much more in greater need of love support acceptance and therefore the problem that arises is that we are using using old methods to solve present day situation now in the old days what happens if my father was a carpenter if, if my grandfather was a carpenter his great grandfather was a carpenter if i am living in this village my father lived in this village my great grandfather lived in this village now today you are here you are gone tomorrow you are working in one place today you take up another job somewhere else tomorrow in the in the cities you are on what is called urban anonymity nobody knows you if you die in the flat next door there is nobody to find your body so the need for companionship is so much more and perhaps we human beings they are inadequate 
to the task of really giving that kind of companionship to each other as far as the conscience of people regarding uh, uh, regarding uh, birth control and i think even people will say no pope even pope francis not spoken about it i will repeat like this so the pope francis believes i'm using a, a bad term let sleeping dogs lie <laughs> huh? let sleeping dogs lie or don't disturb a hornet's nest discretion is the better part of valor keep shut what for politics has said he has said don't break uh, it up too much let it be and as far as i can tell you in india nobody knows what is humanity nobody knows nobody so knows what is natural let sleeping yes. dogs lie applies well to the whole issue of of artificial contraception let it be the catholics yes. have made their decision yeah. but what about divorce yeah, and remarriage yeah, yeah. Why, that is that's, not that's, a sleeping dog. Uh, that needs to be addressed. That's what I said. Yes, I said to you that is a separate issue. And what I was saying, in fact, is regarding marriage and divorce. The the challenges to marriage today. I'm married for 35 years. I've been faithful to my wife. I have two adult children. I say it's God's grace. But I would also say a lot of the success of my marriage. goes to the marriage preparation process which i personally undertook and then i shared with young people because working with young people for several years and guiding them in marriage preparation so some of the things understanding the psychology of a man and a woman the physiology of a man and woman how we relate differently it helped me in my marriage the thing here is that as i said there is no catechesis there is no guidance now you used the term new age theologians are saying this but i want to tell you that this thing about uh, 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 was actually as like a kind of reward for being good communion is a reward for being good if you are good then you can receive communion this was part of the jansenist heresy and it was condemned by the pope in 1642 and what we would we need to say is the communion or the eucharist is not a reward for being good but is a means for sanctification now if we can put this across like this then why aren't you giving me communion so you know that's not we have to we have to chip away at this a little bit and tell them look this is a, and i i say another thing when you if somebody condemns divorce i say look man you are a priest you spent 12 years in the seminary <laughs> oh oh hold on millions of rupees or dollars or whatever was spent on your training and formation and yet one day you can take off your cassock and say tata bye bye okay my mind if you are a priest if you have a If you have a problem with your superior, your companion, you can be transferred. If you don't want to talk to him, you don't talk to him. If you don't want to have lunch with him, you don't have lunch with him. And married people don't have those options. Married people don't have those options. 
because it's much more difficult. It's very challenging for people to be married. So we cannot, cannot condemn people who had a bad marriage for whatever reason and have been divorced. The first thing is to be empathetic, empathetic towards them. And I think we have to work towards this. Uh, uh, we have to find a way forward. We have to put pressure to this kind of of you know logic you have to give logical reasons why we are saying look this is unfair this is unjust in in circumstances we must uh, go case by case case we can't make a blanket uh, statement you're out of the church you can't receive communion so now even in the case of uh, ecumenism we say uh, if you're not a catholic you can't receive communion but in extraordinary circumstances, you may receive communion. If you don't have your own pastor, if you don't have your own church, you feel the need of it. So the church has these exceptions. So if you have exceptions like that, then what about your own people? Okay, we can't condemn them. Okay, you got divorced, you're a failure, you're weak, your faith is bad. It, it's not so simple. It's a very complex issue. And if it's complex, you can't give simplicity. You have to work what? And I think you and I, people who feel like this, married people, have to push. You have to push forward. I, I know that this whole subject is uh, very personal to you because part okay. of your election manifesto was reform of Christian personal laws, which included okay. marriage and divorce in India. What, yes. what were you able to do? to change the well, marriage and divorce laws there in your country? Well, they've all been changed. We've managed to get them changed by parliament. You'll be interested to know, Rini, that in India, we were a colonial country and it was the British laws which were imposed. The Divorce Act in India was passed in 1869. 1869 and the Indian Christian Marriage Act came in 1872 that is three years after the Divorce Act <laughs> the Divorce Act came first and the Marriage Act came afterwards something to laugh about it seems stupid and hilarious but that's the reality and there were provisions in that the Church of Rome the Church of uh, uh, whatever uh, Church of England and so many other churches which were existing at that time the Church of Wales those churches no longer exist in India. So we were asking for these changes. Now, uh, one in the marriage, Christian Marriage Act, one major thing that we sought, and it has not yet really been given, is that the, the, the Constitution of India, the laws of India, recognize a sacramental marriage in the Catholic Church. It is legally valid. However, a Catholic Church annulment is not legally accepted in law. It's not easy to get that. You'll have to get a civil annulment. There is a civil annulment if you want to remarry wherever. In the Divorce Act, which we are more successful, one is that the grounds for divorce. See, at that time, it was the English men who were marrying native women and therefore the laws were in, weighed in favor and it was 
normally as was everywhere that way that the laws favored the man so the grounds on which a man could uh, obtain divorce were lighter and the grounds on which a woman could seek divorce were much more stringent so those grounds have been now removed I mean, it's much a, fairer to the woman now. Yeah, it, it is. It is fair to both. It's gender equitable. The other thing was that a, a, a prison divorce granted by the court had to be ratified by the high court, which again meant another laborious process and a painful process. That provision has also been removed. So we appreciate that. In India, we Christians. we had the biggest orphanages we had the most orphans but christians in india did not have the right to adopt children they did not have the right if we took a child it was what is called under the guardians and wards act so the child remained your ward not your legitimate child so if you died intestate your that child whom you you believe to be your child was actually your ward and would be denied Yeah, it's inheritance from the, okay. the, the parent, adoptive parent. Now, Parliament has has changed that and it included. It says all may adopt. It just changed two lines in the Juvenile Justice Act, and the purpose is served. The same thing happened with the Succession Act. A small amendment was made in Parliament and removed the anomalies which were there. The point is that unless you push. unless you know what is the problem see unless you can diagnose what is the problem you can never find the the the, the medication when that so, leads me to another question i i want to ask you i know the climax of your tenure as president was the celebration of the platinum jubilee in, in mumbai back in 1994 and the yeah. theme of the celebration is a subject near and dear to my heart towards yes. an adult church yes. Yes. yes the fact that priests are so revered and we call them father yes. unfortunately yes. creates a mentality in the faithful that we are children yes. relating to a father but you were working toward creating a church of grown-ups with a mind and a yes. conscience of their own where are we with that movement of toward an adult church today where are we uh, we maybe still very far back but i again i would say it's a work in progress i would like to put to your listeners and uh, i give a little uh, example and illustration of what i call uh, a progress of progression of faith there are four levels of faith the way i would like to and infantile faith a child like faith a teenager's faith and an adult faith now you ask me what is the difference in these four types of faith an infantile faith is like an infant you put a feeding bottle of milk in its mouth and it sucks that's it its capacity does not go on that that is an infantile faith a lot of us in that suckers <laughs> just swallowing what we are given the second is what i call a child like faith i tell a child stand up the child stand up if you call it also imitative faith 
sit down, sit, kneel, kneel, sing, sing. He doesn't know, he doesn't understand. He just obeys the parent, the parental figure, and it could be the priest in the church, could be the parent at home. We call it imitative faith or childlike faith. The third, it's a natural progression. The child grows into a young actor, the teenager. What do we see with the teenager? Repetitive, challenging, inquisitive, and asking questions and perhaps being critical, not taking things for granted. Now here, if uh, those who are familiar with transactional analysis in, in psychology, we talk about the three A.O.s, parent, adult, and child. Now, when the child grows into an adult, I cannot, as a parent, go on with the parent-child relationship. I have, come, I have to come into what is called an adult-adult relationship. And that means- You have to let go as a parent. On, a, on an equitable basis. This, in principle, is what the council is talking about. It may not have been every time but here is where even parents and parents are able to to connect to connect with our adult they say no you have to do this the child says the youngster says why and we don't have the they no, because our parents did so you have to do it. That's not how to accept This is the way how it is there. That we don't have the answers. So we just say, no, you have to do what you're told to do. And here is where then we come what is called an adult faith, which I would call an enlightened faith. Where I know the answers, I can give cogent answers, I can interact with other people on an adult to adult basis. And uh, I can give cogent, logical answer, which satisfies the curiosity of the question. And I will give you two very, very interesting quotes, and I'm going to quote it for you. One is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 to 12, and the other is from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. And this is very typical of what what we want and this is what St. Paul is saying when I was a child I used I used to talk like, like a child and see things as a child but now that I have become an adult Paul is using this word but now that I have become an adult I have finished with all childish ways and then castigating the Corinthians Paul says to them I was not able to talk to you as spiritual people. I had to talk to you as people still infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not able to take it. Just imagine, we are talking about this in transactional analysis today. But Paul was saying it to the Corinthians 2000 years ago. So this is the beauty of it. The human nature doesn't change very much. Then in the Hebrews, this exhortation comes. You, you need someone to teach you all over again. You have gone back to needing milk and not solid food. See, this is again, the very same word. 
you have gone back to needing milk and not solid food truly no one who is still living on on milk can digest the doctrine of saving justice being still a baby solid is solid food is for adults with minds trained by practice to distinguish between good and bad so beautiful beautiful you must share these thoughts and say if say rini says this chote bhai says this oh go to hell you are talking through your backside right see <laughs> paul is saying this paul is saying this the letter the hebrew saying this from the new testament so oh, then how can i challenge that so this is it's not enough you have to grow you have to move and say with discernment it's a very jesuit principle to distinguish between good and evil and that was happened right in the garden of eden distinguishing between good and evil the spirit of discernment one so of the I, outcomes of this movement showed by of a of toward an adult church is something emerging that is being called people's synods synod yes. is Yeah. typically defined yeah. as an assembly of the clergy called by the Vatican but now there's a whole momentum underway of reform movement for the people to call synods of the people yeah. you've already had one of these that you called in India and i understand yeah. you're anticipating scheduling another one let's yeah. talk about what you have had come out of the synod you've already had with the people and what you hope to come next yeah Well, uh, to begin with, synod etymologically is not about priests and religion. Synod is a Greek word which means walking together. That's the actual meaning of the word synod from the Greek root. The walking together is what Jesus did with his disciples on the way to Emmaus, and their hearts burned. And their hearts burned. We have to do. We have to speak that same language. We have to walk together, talk together, share together, and then that 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 flame will be enlightened and kindled. I mean, I was converted like that forty-five uh, years ago. I was converted like that. I was a good Catholic till I discovered that I was a bad Christian. I was a good Catholic till I discovered as a Baptist because I knew that I did not know what Christianity was all about. And when I was exposed to it, I I fought it, I reacted. I said, "Oh, this is not it. Who the hell are you to tell me what this is?" And gradually, my resistance was broken. I was broken, and then I was melted and molded into a new person. So I think this process really. and you know i feel that perhaps even in reform movement many of us are behaving like spoiled brats or teenagers react we are not we are not objective in us enough we are not using solid logical arguments to put forward what we believe and why we believe and as i said Dini is not saying this. Chote Bai is not saying this. Scripture is saying this. Canon law is saying this. Catechism of the Catholic Church is saying this. 
The Vatican Council documents are saying this. We are not asking for the sun. We are only asking for the implementation of what you yourself are saying should be. And as we close today's show, do you see specific areas where your calling a people's synod has actually resulted in some tangible change of the people becoming more adults in today's church? Oh, that uh, I mean, you'll have to ask my wife if I'm a good husband kind of a thing. We have to be brief with this answer because we are about to come to an end of, yes. of today's program. So, yes. so uh, no, I uh, see uh, tangible results are not always seen. I would continue to say the process, keep at it, where, how, when. Rome was not built in a day. It won't be broken in a day either. <laughs> Shadabai, you've given me hope in that yes, you've helped surely. me see throughout our two-part series that there really are a lot of changes that have occurred since yes. the Vatican Council yes. that have become a real part of our church. And for that, yes. I'm really grateful. Thank but you. like you say, the reform of our church and our supporting of Pope Francis in yes. bringing new life to the church is yes. a process. And we are all in that process. Thank you so much for being with me today. Pleasure, Thank you to you our so audience. Good day and to you, good night to me. <laughs> we hope that all of you will think and really materialize in your own life what it is that you can do to be a more adult Christian in the world today.